just yesterday Love's in need of love today Will there be none tomorrow? Faded feelings, jaded news Where's the tender heart that loved romance? They seem so few So I write these words to say Take heart, have faith in love's tomorrow our precious dreams will Hey gang, it's John. Thanks for listening to a special promo mode with this week's guest, Jay Graydon. So after Jay's uh, episode of the podcast came out, he contacted me and he said, I want to talk again and it's very time sensitive because I need to tell you about the E, the famous E electronic piano. And he tells us this whole story in here of what that is. Back in like the late 70s, early 80s, he and David Foster stumble on, well, David Foster specifically, stumble on this keyboard that is making the most beautiful sound and they love it and jay's using it all over that al Jarreau album that we talked about in the first episode in fact if you like morning which we're going to end this episode with since we began jay's episode of the podcast with it and this song right here save me another great tune off that album these are great examples of what that e-electric piano sounds like. So he tells us the whole story of why this keyboard is famous, and it's been sampled, and you can buy that sample. You can buy the sample of this piano now from orangetreesamples.com. The link is in the description of this show. So while we're talking, it's funny, Jay and I were just going to talk for about 20 minutes or so to get into this of course because it's me and jay and it's three o'clock in the morning like it normally is with him because he's nocturnal we just end up talking and talking and talking he shares he's going to start a youtube channel in a few months where he's going to start sharing all of his stories and his know-how and his knowledge about how to be a producer and how to play the guitar tricks of the trade and he just starts rambling all these stories these fantastic stories of his career to us and shares them. So here's the deal. All you gearheads out there, listen up because I hear it from so many of you. Why didn't you ask him about this or that? And it's all gear related, technical related. I'm not a musician, so my brain doesn't work that way. But this conversation gets into the weeds. If you are a guitarist or a keyboardist or any musician at all, and you want to get into the technical side of how it's all done, I, this is a prime example of what it takes to be a producer in uh, in music. I had no idea. You think you're just like tr- telling people to play this a little louder, a little softer, a little whatever. No. Jay breaks it down. So anyway, this conversation may not be for everybody, but if you are a musician and you want to get into the technical weeds on how it's all done, this is it. We talk about his, web, about his YouTube channel, uh, the sampler, and then... That sparks a million other stories. So again, we talked for over an hour when it was going to be short because it's the middle of the night and that's what Jay and I do. Okay? So I hope you enjoy this. 
So, Jay Graydon, you're coming back to tell us about this uh, pretty interesting... Well, there's a full story here besides uh, about the famous e-electric piano. Why don't you tell us what the story is and why we're talking about it? Okay, here's the deal. In the early 80s or late 70s, I don't remember when it was exactly, David Foster called me up after a session and said, I just played the greatest electric piano ever. Now, before I go any further, I've got to remember that I can't use the R word, mm. meaning we know Fender made the piano, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. And we know what it was called. And we also know the guy that designed its name was Harold, <laughs> and his last name is the R word. Got it. But we can't use the R word because someone probably, I mean, I'm assuming after Harold died, someone had copywritten the R word and he is supposedly suing every company Ooh. that has done a sample set of the electric piano we are talking about. Okay. Good but I have, a, I have a funny feeling that all you keyboard players or even non-keyboard players, even drummers, anybody would know what I'm referring to. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I think so. Was that I, safe enough? I think so. That's very safe, actually. Yes. Uh, okay. Yes. Yes. Well, luckily, we found out about this in time. And it was a fluke how we found out, but thankfully we did. So, the famous E electric piano story goes like this. As mentioned, Foster called me after a session and he said, I just played the best R word uh -huh. I've ever played. It sounds incredible. And I said, well, where did the R word come from uh -huh. and david said it's leeds rentals and andy leeds is a friend of all of ours mm -hmm. and whenever he bought a new r word he would stencil a letter not a number so this was stenciled with an e e is an edward okay uh-huh and so I said, David, we have a, um, a Giroux session or whatever it was in a few days that you know, you know, you know, I've already booked you and I've uh -huh. already booked Jeff Picaro and um, either with Hungate or Abraham on bass. So I already booked those cats and, and we and we had the E. And so while I was EQing and setting levels for the E, I was amazed how good it sounded. I just couldn't believe it. There's really? never been one of these R instruments that sounded this good, even just solid, yeah. just delicious. Let me and, ask you, was this a new product at the time that ever that was just coming out and everyone was discovering it at the same time or is it sort of a, you know, a diamond in the rough. It had just been sitting there, and it took you and Foster to sort of discover it. Here's the story. The Fender electric piano had been made since somewhere 
in the 60s, I guess. I think that was where the first release was. Okay. And they went through iterations over time. And this particular model has nine hammers that are a little harder than the other hammers and produces a bell-like effect. But uh, we'll get into that as we go. Now okay. here's, here's how the electric piano was discovered. Leeds knew that it, the early 70s R words sound the best. Uh-huh. That was the consensus amongst all the cats. And he would check to see where these instruments were available. So he was at Wallach's Music City one day, just looking around. That's a famous music store in Hollywood. Okay. That was on Hollywood and Vine, I think, forever. Anyway, so Andy Leeds happened to walk into the storage room with a salesman. And they weren't keeping great inventory paperwork because there was all kinds of stuff piled everywhere. Mm. And Andy just happened to notice that on the bottom of this pile, there was a cardboard box that looked big. So Andy and the salesman took everything off above it pulled out this box and opened it up. And this just happened to be the E. Wow. Now, it was nine years old, mm. sitting there for nine years. <laughs> wow. So this, you know, yeah. something like that, close yeah. to it, maybe seven or eight, but whatever it was, it was just sitting there. Yeah. And uh, Drew, that was Andy's nickname, Drew said, um, I'll buy it. So he took it brought it to the shop. Eddie Reynolds may have he, Eddie Reynolds was his piano tuner and did mods on such instruments and we'll get into that a little bit later. Okay. And that was it. And it so it showed up. Uh, I don't know if the it was the first date ever that that it showed up when Foster played it, who knows. We didn't know of any particular letter we liked better than others. We just assumed they were pretty much the same, which actually was stupid. I should have gone down there and tested them all at some point, but never got around it. Huh. Anyway, so it showed up on that session. Uh-huh. And then, like I say, we booked it for the Giro session. I think the right. first tune we recorded, I, I'm not sure that when exactly we found this, but play the song Morning. Yeah. Because this shows the E big time. And there's another song that even has it more out in front from the same Giro album. That Giro album is the self-entitled Giro album. I love it. And that song is called Save Me. It's the fourth track. And you want to play that because it really shows the dynamics of the instrument. Because it starts off as a beautiful ballad and then gets into a a whole groove thing. That tune's I'm really proud of that tune. I love that album. I love yeah, that man. song too. Yeah. And that was the year that I was up for producer of the year, engineer of the year, mm-hmm. and two other Grammys. And this was my shot at producer of the year that I really wanted. <laughs> and I had a little bit of competition. Yeah. That was the Thriller album. Yeah, right. I was a seat filler, man. Right, right. <laughs> Classic. I probably told you that. You did. I remember this story so yeah, good. Yeah, anyway, so 
So, so backing up to the these sessions and those songs, Save Me will really show the dynamics. Great. And um, I remember distinctly writing that tune. I had the eight first uh, first eight bars of the melody in my head for like two weeks, and I called up David and I said, "You got to help me, man. We got to work on the song." So we went over to David's house, and Al went too, and the song took shape quickly. Uh-huh. And you know, the amazing David Foster. Uh, you know, I become his editor. It's like mm. as soon as he gets an idea and then starts flowing with it and I come up with an idea, my idea's already gone by. He's already played something that I would consider better, so I was, it would be like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. No, David, hold on a second. Let's try a different change there, and let's, uh, you know, let's try this melody over that. And then, you know, the next eight bars go by, and then, yes, yes, yes. No, David, wait one second. Let's just try this. <laughs> and that's how we, we work. So anyway, yeah. and ever since then... Now, I'm the kind of guy that tells everyone about anything that's good. Mm-hmm. So I called up all my producer friends, all my piano player friends, and I said, you must rent this Fender R-Word for your sessions. You're going to uh-huh. just love it. And it became so popular, you had to book the E a month to two months in advance. Jeez. So... I can't. And there's ever only remember. one, right? What? There's only one, and it's right. the one with the E on it. Right. And that's the only piano that everyone in LA wants to get their get their hands on to record. Yeah, only the only R word piano they want to use. Yeah. So, like, you know, can you ever remember a situation where anyone was told to you that they had to book this instrument or any instrument before they could book the musicians. No, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's wild. It is. Yeah. And it even even got shipped to New York a few times, I heard. Wow. Okay, so, I mean, this glorious instrument was just unreal. And I should mention at this point that it is available because four and a half years ago, we started the sample project, and a week and a half, about a week ago, exactly, we, we released it, finally. And we'll get to all the details in a minute. Okay. It's Orange Tree Samples. That's yes. where it can be bought. Yeah. com. If you could stick a streamer under there, John, it would be nice. Yeah, we'll put the link in the show description. People can just tap right on it. And right. I was before getting ready, before talking to you, I was watching an instructional video that's right there that it's explaining kind of the same story: why this e piano matters, what the what they've all done. So the my so they've sampled this, and it's only available for a short time. Why? Well, we when we started the project. Well, I have to back up for a second, clear out. Okay. Let's keep the history going in, okay. in uh, chronological order. Do it. So somewhere around 1996, or I mean 1986 or 1987, somewhere in there, maybe in the eight, 1988, the Yamaha DX7 came out, and it had a great emulation, and all of a sudden that became the new sound. So you'd use two DX7s, detune one, three cents flat, detune the other, three cents sharp. You got your built-in stereo chorusy effect, and it took over. So all 
the other, the E and the rest of the stable, mm-hmm. as well as all the other rental companies, and it was over. They were dust collectors. Mm-hmm. So a guy named George Mamalakis, is a, he's a very good piano player. He's the guy that bought it. Okay. He went to Leeds, played it once, and then he made Leeds an offer at one point. This is when the DX7 was, you know, being used and no more of the E's and the like. So George bought it from and from Leeds, and he's had it ever since. Wow. And he treats it like he has a shrine set uh-huh. up for it. <laughs> He'd rarely take it to gigs. He's real good with mechanical things. And he's kept it in tip-top shape. So at that particular point, you know, I never really thought about what happened to it, but Mm -hmm. probably 20 years ago or so, one of us got a hold of each other. And then we became friends and have been friends ever since. And four and a half years ago, I said, George, memory is no longer a problem. In other words, when you buy a a drum sample program you know it could be 20 gig 40 gig the latest superior three drum program is like 270 gig Mm. and you know the hard drives are cheap you know anyway so and y'all of course you want to run the samples on another hard drive other than your operating system right so we'll get to that in a minute so i said george we got to sample this now he lives in santa barbara so it was not practical for me to be there, I wrote approximately a hundred pages of instructions because I've done a lot of sampling uh-huh. for the Elisis drum machines and a bunch of other stuff Marcus Ryle designed. Marcus Ryle, who started Line Six, absolute genius. Huh. I was his consultant and beta tester on the ADAT stuff and a bunch of other instruments. So anyway, I know the sample. Uh, you know, rules. I yeah. know exactly what needs to be done. So I gave George all these instructions, but I said the first thing we do before anything is we totally rebuild the instrument, meaning we take all the capacitors out, but we're going to put them on a giant piece of cardboard and label each one where it came from in the circuit. So we'll draw out the circuit on a big piece of cardboard and we'll put all the parts we pull on the cardboard and put a piece of scotch tape over it. So as we replaced all the parts, we were bringing it up to a much newer spec. So Mm. it would be punchy, Mm -hmm. you know. When people buy, buy vintage amps and they just plug it in and they think it's the greatest, that's not the case. They need to be totally gone through. Yeah, you want yeah. to get them up to their original spec. You don't, or otherwise you'll get what's called a sag effect, where the transformer just is kind of worn out and it just loses punch. Huh. You know, all, all dried up caps, not right, good at all. That stuff. Right. All right, so it was totally rebuilt. And he found a, a tech in the area that we trusted who did a good job. Okay, so then George did the sampling, and as we we're doing tests, we realize there's 18 distinct sounds of that instrument. Hitting the hammer is from as light as you can to as hard as you can. There is 18 different velocity levels. Wow. Now, but you can't do this by hand and be accurate. 
So I told George what I knew for sure had to be done to build something to strike the keys. Uh And that first thing is, whatever you design, and he's good with mechanical stuff, I said it has to clamp on to the E so it can't move. And then you've got to figure out a a way to wait, have a weight that falls down and strikes the keys that's adjustable in very fine increments. Mm -hmm. Well, he did it. And he nailed it. And we're kind of afraid to have George do a video to show this unit so nobody rips them off. (laughs) Right, right. You know, I'm sure other companies have done this, but I got to tell you, George's version is unbelievable. So anyway, that's how the instrument was sampled dead accurate at 18 velocity levels and at 96K 24 bit. And I said, get the level as hot as you can. Uh-huh. So play the, the all over the keyboard, find the loudest note, and, and, and play it as hard as you can, and then just set the input gain just before clipping level. So this makes the lower notes possibly a little noisier, but there's no you can't change the level after you start or you change the tonality of okay. the instrument. It's just the way electronics go. So, uh, anyway. So this we is went, available. Right. So we, got, we, so we got to that point. We got the 18 layers, each note. That took George a long time. Then I told him how to truncate the notes. And the way you truncate samples is you find where the initial attack is. And you have to make sure you chop the note off at the exact zero crossing point. Mm. Meaning when you look at a waveform in Pro Tools or whatever, you'll see a line in the middle. You have the, the high end of the waveform and then the low end of the waveform. And the high end, and it vibrates back and forth. High, low, high, low, high, low. Well, the starting point needs to be dead in the center on that zero cross point, mm. or it will click. So, George did all that. By now, we'd partnered up with Greg Schlepfer, who owns Orange Tree Samples. I found him through a friend named Chris Paler, excellent bass player in San Francisco and, um, and composer and overall genius. So he said, Greg's a great guy. We partnered up. Greg is a great guy. He's a great coder. Hmm. And there we were. So then it was just about working around bugs, finding you know, um, user settings that we want. Right. And we wanted to make it as as flexible as we could for the user. Yeah. So the you know, it it just it just takes forever, man. There's if I explained all explained all the technical stuff that had to go down, it would just get boring. So <laughs> I I won't. <laughs> it's probably all for right. the best. All right. Okay, so so now it's been released for a week, and it's still on sale for one more week. I think it's 159 right now, yep, 159, yep. but it's going to go up 20 bucks. I think, on July 25th. And it's selling through the roof. But Amazing. I want to keep it selling, of course, after yeah. all this work we put into it. Right. And there hasn't been anyone that I've sent NFRs to that has had any negative comments. Everybody loves it. 
Good. Now, let me ask you this. I'm curious about something. Are you finding that the people who are buying this are old school musos who are your age and grew up in the music industry around that time? Or is it young people who are sort of gearheads wanting access to the sound that, you know, from their childhood or something like that? A little bit of everything. Really? A little bit of everybody. Okay. Of course, the hardcore fans knew about this because I put the word out years ago thinking right. we were going to be able to release. And you also have to understand that Greg's Orange Tree Samples Company is, you know, he's got a lot of products. And all of he's got great guitars and basses. And he's also a very good piano player and one of those guys that have perfect pitch. So, of course, I hate him right off the <laughs> bat. <laughs> You know, yeah. <laughs> and he's a young cat, man, in his 20s. And he's just wow. the, nice, the nicest guy you'd ever want to know. He's really happening. So right. now that it's released, oh, features. Here's stuff that you couldn't do originally. Interesting. Okay, so in this particular time, the, the R-word instrument was being manufactured. It had these nine hammers, I think that start on B above middle C up through G, and they have more of a bell-type characteristic. And ironically, it sounds really cool. Huh. It's another timber to the instrument. But we also thought, some people aren't going to like this. So we stretched samples to cover that area, and we have a switch in the advanced section to turn them off. So you can either have them on or off. Oh. So then another thing that we did is we have custom velocity, a velocity table. So no matter what your touch is, you can set the velocity for your playing so it's not too loud or too soft to your touch. And we have curves for weighted keys, non-weighted keys, plastic keys, and so forth. And so it's very flexible to the touch. Awesome. Also, we, we put in relief samples because all of those instruments at the release point, you'd hear a little click. Now, I don't think Harold, the designer, wanted these clicks. I think it's just a mechanical issue that couldn't be fixed. Mm. So my vote was no release samples, but of course, we want everybody to be happy. It's all right. about the user. Sure. So we put in a switch where you can either set the decay with no release samples or have the release samples in. And the decay that I've found that seems natural is around 100 milliseconds, and there's a pot for that, up to 300 milliseconds. And if you were doubling it with, like, let's say, Native Instruments Acoustic Grand Piano, um, I found the release time should be 163 milliseconds, so the piano and the E release at the same time after the keys are let go. Wow. And that was never available, so that's a great feature. Also, we added stretch tuning. That was never available. So if your piano that you're playing with is stretch tuned, it's real easy to find out by checking the beating. And for those people that don't know about that, You'd play a low C, for example, not the lowest one because you're not going to be down there in that area. Then you play a C about four or five octaves higher with the acoustic piano in. First, if the piano and the E are not in tune, you tune the E 
uh-huh. should be though because everything should be 440. So let's say now it's in tune, but when you notice that you play this high C up four or five octaves, you hear beating because the E would be a little flat because it was not stretched tuned. We tuned it not, you know, not stretched and right. normal tuning to start. So there's a slider where you can tweak the pitch to match the stretch of the piano. So that's a great tool. Fascinating. And we did something that's really cool. Every instrument of the R word that's ever been made, you know, you can have a, a have, they have tremolo, you know, that gives you the stereo left, left, right effect, left uh-huh. and right effect. But we have four choruses that are all designed by Greg. And they're all great, but the point I was getting to here, in the advanced page, you can, you've got a slider to set the notes to pan from left to right. Or, or right to left, you know, uh, high, high, the left, for example, I like the left note starting the low note on the left, yeah. like a piano would be, right? Right. You can reverse it if you want, and you can get anywhere in between that. Yeah, the way the R-word instrument was mm-hmm. designed, you couldn't have these notes, but mono, there were only mono, you know, yeah. this way... You can play the keyboard from the bottom of the keyboard up to the top of the keyboard, and the notes are slowly panning across the spectrum. You get to middle C, and the notes in the center. You start panning, uh, playing higher, and they're panning sure. further and further and further and further till it goes all the way to the right. Right. So they're individual notes like a piano, and I don't think Gosh. anyone has done that. Amazing. And the big advantage to that is it doesn't take up room in the track. This takes up a lot less room because each note has its own placement. And it's and as it's being played, it's just a wonderful stereo, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just great. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. What else did we do? I know we did some other stuff that's, that is in the advanced page. but And, you know, of course, you can make your presets, and they come with presets, and... I suggest trying mine. I think mine would start with JG. I would find one that's got a digital EQ in there that rolls off a little bit of the low mids at about 653 cycles. It just takes out a little bit of an area that um, I didn't really like that much. But, hey, everybody's got their taste, sure. right? Sure, right, right. Fascinating. And, so you can go in there and look at your presets. You've or, you've got a preset in there. People are able to go in and see what Jay Graydon likes. Right. Either we each did fifteen or more. I'm going to do another one soon because on the um, on my website, Jay Graydon, you know, www.jgraydon.com, I've got some tutorials that are for advanced stuff. Okay. And one of them explains this in full, and there's more tricks too. So. When going through the samples, it's best to just keep going through programs until you find one that gets your attention. Okay. You know? That's yeah. the way to deal with it. Awesome. Plus, yeah, you can add any effects you want where there's tons of effects. Different kinds of reverbs, you know, four different choruses, actually five, because there's an extra chorus in the um, effects section. You know, equalizers, delays, like yeah. I say, reverbs, tons. Yeah. So, and we're going to be adding more. Good. Good. Yeah. Okay. So, well, John, um, ask me questions. Well, my uh, 
So one of my questions, I mean, you've covered all the technical part of all of this and I, it's obviously of value to anyone who loves that sound and is a musician and wants to capture that sound and play with it themselves. If you saying there was only one of these out there and now we have, we, anyone has access to that sound is kind of yep. amazing. The yep. one other thing that you mentioned, you know, it would be really interesting if uh, there was a way to kind of learn from Jay Graydon himself how to use these tools and what his thoughts are on music and playing the guitar and everything else. Is there something else like that possibly coming down the pike in the next few months that, uh, you know, That's you want to talk true. about? <laughs> That's very true. And I'm glad you reminded me before I forgot. Yeah. I did forget. <laughs> okay. I got to check the name of what the website's called. <laughs> I keep forgetting, man. I think, Kirsten, you, I think I have it right here. It what is. What did Kirsten uh, tell you? It is Jay Graydon, Music, Recording, and More. That's it. Yeah, that's going to be and, the YouTube channel. Yes, and I'm going to get deep, man. I mean, I've, you know, when I was 11 years old, I engineered my dad's radio show on Saturdays and Sundays. Really? Four turntables, two Ampex tape machines for commercials. And to me, this is Tinker's Toy stuff when I'm 11. Uh -huh. You know, I, I had electronic capabilities from the get-go. I just know, I, you know, I just had a brain for it. My yeah. mind works that way. Obviously. And I always had a recorder, and I would record bands. I had a little mixer. I'd record bands. Then it went to four-track. Then it went to eight-track. Then to 16-track. Then 24. Then now 48. Actually, now unlimited, you know, because of Pro mm -hmm. Tools. But over, over the years, all that I've learned, I'm going to share all these tricks, and there are many. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them have to deal with phase problems. I'm going to show how to mic drums properly. I'm going to teach everything about phase that's so important. For example, there's only one drum on a drum set that's correct phase. Mm. And can you tell me why? No, I have no idea. Okay. Well, everybody's going to have to wait and see how all this works together as this puzzle. Okay. And when people pay attention to my layout, it's going to change the way they record forever. Interesting. Yeah. Let me ask you this. When we talked a couple of months ago... Tim Pierce came up in the conversation and he has like a subscription based YouTube channel or website where you can yes, you pay a monthly subscription and you get access to his kind of instructional videos. Is that sort of what you're thinking of here or is this open for anyone who wants to join or subscribe to your YouTube channel? You're going to be putting this information out there. I'm going to do what Rick Beato's doing. Oh, Rick's cool. a good friend and he's been helping me. He's been helping me on how I should lay this out. Um, because if I'm going to dedicate a good portion of my working time to, you know, teaching all this stuff, yeah. um, I, I need to monetize it somehow. Yeah. And I, and I know through what Rick's told me that if you start getting an audience, you get around a million hits and, you know, you got a solid fan base that's near that mm. advertisers start coming out of the woodwork. YouTube pays you, the advertisers mm. pay you. And I will have to charge for some of this. Sure. But I'm going to do mostly, I mean, 
if the more I can do without having to charge, the better. Right. Like one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to do a pitch training course. So when I was a kid, man, I had a buddy in the the first band I was in. Another band that this bass player was in had perfect pitch. And right off the bat, I go, well, why don't I have perfect pitch? And he says, well, you weren't born with it. You, in order to have perfect pitch, you have to be exposed to music at a very young age and be taught the name of the notes. Right. And if you have the ability, that will stick. And so that's how people with perfect pitch get it. I was 14 at the time, and it was too late. Mm. This has to happen when you're really young. Right. And Rick Beato taught his kid... I mean, when he was still in the womb, he was playing music on his uh, wife's stomach uh-huh. you know, on a boom box, right? Right, right. And then as soon as he could touch the keys, Rick taught him. And, I mean, the Dylan is amazing. There yeah. are different levels of perfect pitch, and his is through the roof. Amazing. Unreal. So wow. I got frustrated. I want perfect pitch. Well, <laughs> I said, so, Jim, what do I do? He says, you learn relative pitch. So that's what I did. And for ever since I was 14, I practice this stuff. When I'm watching TV, I'm I'm watching a movie, and I all of a sudden hear something in the orchestra music I like. Uh I start naming the notes. Now, I don't have my home note together, meaning like I know how to, I can whistle a a C, but Uh sometimes I'm wrong. (laughs) <laughs> but if I don't have time to get the home note together, I'll just think like I'm in C. Yeah. And then I'll just think the whole time I'm watching it, and, and I, I only get lost when things start happening too fast. Yeah. But I have a way to teach this that's not like Rick's method or, you know, anybody yeah. else. That's my method that I never stop working on. So Amazing. And are you going to be... Stale. Yes. Now, are you planning... Okay, so... the deeper instructional aspects of your of your YouTube channel will be for for sale but i mean are you also going to be kind of sharing stories you know like my time the one time ray parker junior and i played the same session we you know i think that's the currency that a lot of legacy artists like yourself have today is access to these great stories that people want to hear you know what you i got mean a point yeah and you know what well taken point i'll do that yeah, I think you got to sprinkle that stuff in there because that's the current, that's the value. I mean, there's so much value, of course, all your musical knowledge, but those stories, that's the, those are the things that people are dying to hear that they, you know, they can play. The music is just ever, always running out of a faucet constantly. Music, unfortunately, as you know, doesn't have as much value anymore. Storytelling has a ton of value. You know what I mean? You mean our NF- enemy? Spotify. <laughs> yes, I know. Spotify I know. destroyed what yeah. was left. They've destroyed it, man. Yeah. They even appealed the new copyright law. Yeah. And how dare them? I know. I know. When they're paying zero point zero 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 six a play. What is that? Yeah. A thousandth of a cent, or well, let me see. One, two, three, four. It's a thousandth of a cent. Six thousandths of a cent. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I'm not not planning on making a 
a living with my catalog with that. No, I know. It doesn't make sense that they make more money than the artists they are supposedly, you know, promoting and helping. That, uh, well, but I guess that's how it works. I don't well, know. let's take this a step further. Okay. We know that the major publishers have the power to let them play music or not, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. So if they have the right to license it to Spotify, now, I don't know this is a fact, but I'm thinking logically. They made a deal with these publishers that is incredible. But who are the ones to get screwed? Yeah. Okay. First, the artist. Then we go down the chain of less importance, the producer, mm -hmm. the songwriter, if they're not, if they're independent like me with my own publishing. And even if I was with a company, I'm still getting nothing. Yeah. They needed to figure out a way to make them big income, mm -hmm. and we're hardly considered in the equation. Right, right. Flat out. It's tragic. I mean, isn't that logical? Yeah. You got it, it just all of this makes me so angry. I mean, and now, I mean, you know, this the one lifeblood that's still left out there is live playing, and that's done for now, too, with COVID. So, at least for a, a year, yeah. at least for a year, maybe yeah. longer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's tragic. I mean, I, it, it's unreal, it's unreal yeah. what's happening. Yeah. We're living in a very strange time, man. We are, we you are. know, but. The, the, since everybody is at home, and the, you might as well practice. Right. You might as well make records. You know, all my buddies are making records. Champlin, Joe Williams, Luke, Steve Vai. Right. Um, I'm going to be producing a kid guitarist, by the way, when COVID finally allows us to um, be in a room together that you're not going to believe. Really? Oh, this guy is a... He's a boy genius. He's the next Pat Matheny. Wow. And he's only 23, and he already plays like he's 45. Amazing. Amazing. Unbelievable. That's I great. can't give any more away yet. Okay, okay. But ask me in about six months. I will. And his dad was a studio musician, mm. and ironically, I was his favorite uh, L.A. studio guy, and they were all emulating us. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And now he's being produced by you. That's incredible. Yeah, man, and this kid doesn't need much help, but I'm going to, it's just going to be more than a trio that, that you know, it's it's going to be more than like a fusion, yeah. pop-ish fusion. It's going to be more than that. I, you know, I, 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 have, so I have some ideas that should really work cool. good. Cool. Yeah. Well, um... Look, let's, uh, okay, so for the listeners, the, first of all, we want to tell everyone to go, who's interested to go to orangetreesamples.com right. and uh, check out the famous e-electric piano. There's a walkthrough demonstration video on there. If you are at, you know, it's funny, Jay, I get a lot of people who will ask me, well, why didn't you ask so-and-so guitar player what they use and what... All the all the gear, and it's like I'm not a musician, so my brain doesn't think that way. But here's a just an absolute a ton of gear related, technical related information for anyone who cares about good musicianship. Can go to orangetreesamples.com and check out the story behind the famous E electric piano and why they should get their hands on this sampler. And, Absolutely. Uh, and then, by the way, it yeah, runs, go ahead, John. It runs on Contact. That's a Native Instruments plug. But here's the real good news. 
if you don't have contact, that's like 200 bucks, and it's basically used for real, you know, big library samples like this. It also runs on Contact Player through mm. that ma Native Instruments makes, and that's free. Okay. And that's a plug-in or a standalone. It will work in any DAW. Okay. Good. So no extra money is needed to use the famous E. That's you just great. download the free instrument at Native Instruments, get the E, and you're good to go. You're good. And, and then this, sec is, this is just more for uh, keyboard players. Yeah. You know, guitarists that also write on keys, you know, and that, that do their own overdubs, and drummers that play keys, everybody, bass players. If you're going to get a, a new keyboard and you want a delicious tone, this is yeah. it. This is the one. This and then secondarily, it. if people want to keep an eye out for your upcoming YouTube channel, we should probably point them toward jgraden.com. Check in there periodically. And eventually, I think within the next four months or so, maybe, there should yeah, be, you should five. be launching. Okay, um, great. I, I need to get this jar album done, man. I've just kept putting it off. Things come <laughs> up. It's just ready to mix. I just, I'm, man, I feel so bad about this. Uh, but anyway... Yeah, there's a lot happening, man. I mean, the older I get, the slower I get, and there's tons of business stuff to deal with all the time, you know. Um, what was I going to tell you, man? There was something else. I don't know. Um, yeah, how would you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> man, aren't you a mind reader? <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> I studied yeah, that it... like you studied perfect pitch. <laughs> Man, I wish I had that gift. Oh, here's something about Perfect Pitch that's mm -hmm. bizarre. Guys like Foster, you know, David and I are the same age, three weeks apart. I'm oh. older, so he should respect me. <laughs> anyway, his Perfect Pitch is gone. Oh. Have you it's, seen the new documentary on him that's on Netflix? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I just watched that a week or two ago, and I was thinking, man, I wish I had seen this when I talked to Jay. Because uh, he mentions that in there, I believe, if I remember right, that it's starting to leave him. But that was such a fat... I mean, he's a character, that guy. He is. He, and the, the, to, he loves the, the camera, man. Yes. And he doesn't mind just letting his ego fly. But the beauty of it is that he can back it all up. All of it. When he said in there, I've sold half a billion records. And I thought, good God, that's right. I cannot believe it. You know? Uh, anyway. The guy talent is unreal yeah yeah unreal yeah. Oh, i have man, to admit i'm not a i don't listen to a lot of celine dion or michael buble and all that kind of stuff i prefer airplay and the tubes and hollow notes and his more rock stuff but you got to give it up for this guy hey man well you listen to airplay he was half of airplay i know i know i just prefer that kind of rockier stuff to the i get it adult of course everybody yeah. has their tastes but yeah. you know david deserves all he gets yeah, he told me the other day, he says, man, I really should have mentioned you guys. Mm -hmm. You know, you all helped me up the way. I said, David, look, man, don't sweat it. Mm -hmm. It's not a big deal. You know, this was, you needed star power to make this happen. Mm -hmm. This isn't a documentary about studio musicians, which now I remember I was going to tell you. But well, you before, already did. You're making that. You're making that documentary. We talked well, about I just that. found another director oh. that has big interest, and... It's all going to be about one thing. These these movies don't make that much money. These mm -hmm. these they don't. 
And it cost over a million bucks to do this because the song licensing is six hundred grand alone. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there's gonna gotta be tons of songs. And by the way, man, if I pull this documentary off, it's gonna be fun. There's I gonna be it. so much humor, yeah. and there's going to be a time machine concept of recording, which will catch people's attention. Yeah, yeah. gonna be all kinds of stuff, man. Cool. Uh, before I forget, I, there is a picture of David and myself and David Hungate in Foster's documentary, and it was a picture of airplay. We were at Davlin, and I'm on the right of the picture, David's on the left, and I think you can see Hungate about five, ten feet behind yeah. us. That, that picture is the cover photo on our Facebook page this week to honor you because you are our guest this week. That's great, man. Every, <laughs> yeah, because we put out new episodes every Tuesday, and that morning I changed the cover photo as a teaser of what episode, who's coming out later that day, and that's the picture on our Facebook page this week. Oh, right. You. Yeah. By the yeah. way, by the way, I sent NFRs to Donald Fagan. Ooh. And yeah, Donald uh, emailed me back and said, man, I'm into it. I'm going to install it. I'll get back to you. Mike McDonald. Um, oh, man, there's a long list of, yes. of great, you know, David, of course, and yeah. tons of other guys. Amazing. Oh, and We have a lot of stories, man. And, and you're <laughs> right. People are going to love. I believe that. Oh, by the way, I've been working on an autobiography for about 15 years or mm -hmm. longer. Yeah. Every time I think of a story, I write it down. And that's something else I wanted to get back to near the end of the year. Okay. All it needs to do is be organized, and then it's done. Yeah. 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 That's going to be, be fantastic. There'll be stories in there that'll... Uh, once again, man, so much of this stuff is funny, you uh -huh. know? Uh-huh. Well, you yeah. can tell. You can tell. Between you and Lukather and just the vibe you guys give off... Lukather commented on the tweet that I sent out that you are our guest this week, and he was like, my mentor, my, what did he say, just one of my heroes, Jay fucking Graydon. He was, uh, he, he was so glad. We're, we're like as close as you can get to real brothers. Yeah, the I same with Foster, you know, and, and some other, Ray, Ray's another yeah. guy that's like, I mean, he's like a brother, man. I mean, yeah. there's tons of those cats, man, but, um, yeah, I love Luke, man. Yeah. I love Ray. I love all those cats, man. I'm curious. Do you? Um, one last question before I let you go. Do you? Sure. What about Wadi Wachtel? You know, I worked with Wadi once, and we had a great time. Huh. Uh, now I know you're. Did you do an interview with Wadi yet? I, I did, and it's coming out next week. I person I per uh, purposely put you two back to back because you're these legendary session guitarists and producers and songwriters. So yeah, his comes out on Tuesday. Tell him I said hi. Okay. But we did work together one one time. We were in different circles. Oh. He was more in the rock circle, and I was more in the pop. Uh, Got it. I was, you know, I was the, the he was more of like um, kind kind of like well the rhythm section that he's in with Scalar and those guys, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That that now Scalar covered a lot of areas. He 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 goes the whole gamut from. You know, records to TV, film, and film, and all that. Right. But, um, yeah, that was his circle with those yeah. guys. But we did work together once, and we had a great time. And, it, and just like with any professional, you know, guitarist, that when you go into a date, both you guys figure out what you're going to play if it's not right. written. 
Right. And we had no problem at all. You know, immediately we gelled and everything was great. Yeah. 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 Well, good. Yeah. Okay. I was curious if you two had crossed paths. In fact, I, um, that video, I mentioned it when we talked before, but the video, I, like every day I watch this video of you singing at the Foster, I don't know, big event, the airplay song that I'm suddenly blanking on, my favorite one. The, Not, the Nothing you can do about yes, it. Yes, nothing you can do about it. I, I watched this video. It is my favorite thing on the internet right now. And I noticed in the background, Sklar is playing bass in the yeah, band. Yeah, with it's a there. blue suit on. I remember he yeah. had a blue suit. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, um, oh, man. That's and one of my favorite things ever. Your that performance. Was, that was it. Joe Hall in Osaka, Japan, and there was 12,000 people. And we did three nights in the Budokan before that with Mm 10,000 a night. And those were great gigs. And my buddy Kenji Sano in Japan, well, he lives here half the time, but he says, when you guys go on stage as airplay, the people are going to freak out more than for any artist. Huh. And it and it happened, and I said, yeah. "Wow!" Yeah, you know they remember. Yeah. Oh, John, one more thing. Yeah. I remastered the Airplay album a bunch of times over the years, but the last one I did about two years ago, because of the plugins that are available now, such as the Fab Filter Q3 equalizer and the Fab Filter multiband compressor. I changed the total shape of the Sonics. Mm. The one thing that when I mixed that record that I, that was not good on a few tunes was they were overly bright in the 2,500 area, okay. 2.5K area, and it always bothered me, but the reason that was mixed that way was because there was we overproduced that record. There's so much going on in order to hear everything that's how you hear everything by adding 2.5k, mm-hmm. but it's painful. Mm-hmm. So I decided I wanted to shift everything from that area to around an 800 cycle center. Mm-hmm. Now you can do it with EQ, kind of, but it's permanent. But when you do it with EQ and the incredible Fab Filter multiband compressor, you you can set it up so it's triggered. When the 2.5K hits, it sucks it back, and then I bumped up the 800 cycle area where it pushes up when the typically bump of the 2K falls back. Mm. So the whole sonic shape is different, and it's so much better. Excellent. Is yeah. it available? How it do we is. get our hands on it? Do we buy it from your website? How do you get it? No, but, you know, it's, it's RCA owns the product in uh. perpetuity. Okay. But it is available in Japan, and there's got to be a way to buy it. Yeah. And shoot Kirsten an email and see if she's put up a link for that. Okay, I will. There's got to be a Japanese link for that version, and if anybody would know, she would. Okay. And it should be there for any of the Airplay fans. Okay, cool. All it right, really well- is so much better, John. I believe it. I, I love that album. Okay, I have one last question for you. Yeah. In that clip that I was mentioning on YouTube, and I've watched a couple others that I think were filmed around that same time, before you go into your solo, you blow on your fingers. And I won, And then one of the clips I saw, not the one with Foster, but a different one, other people on the stage are doing it. Your bandmates are doing it too. And I wondered, is that a thing you do... 
because you actually need to blow on your fingers? Or is that your thing? Like, get ready, guys. Here comes, you know, lightning (laughs) guitar finger guy. This is, you know, like like LeBron James, you know, clapping the the powder together before he takes the the court. Here's the deal. Okay. (laughs) My hands have to be clean and dry. Uh Uh-huh. They can't sweat at all, or the strings slip from under my fingers. Mm-hmm. So, and if they're dirty and they feel grimy, I don't want to play. Okay. So, everything has to feel right. And in order to do that, my hands need to be dry and clean, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. It got to the point, like, that, and it might even have been on that gig, but for sure on, on the, the J. Graydon All-Star 20th Anniversary stuff where we have concert footage from my gigs in Japan and, and Sweden and Norway... I had a bowl of water on stage, mm. and I had hand towels up there. And, you know, on the last night of the gig, the crew, who were great guys, they always do something funny to everybody, and they think about this the whole time. Uh-huh. They always do something to somebody's rig, right? Right. You know, but it was nothing that would hurt, but sure. just, okay. I get on stage that night, and I'm, I'm ready to stick my hand in the water, there's goldfish in the bowl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it's genius. <laughs> wow. I was cracking up, man. That is great. And, and I got it down to a better way of having a few towels up there on a table, and I'd wet half of it and wring it out, and not all the way, and then the other half would be dry, so I could get my hands damp real quick, kind of wipe them that way for a minute, and then go to the dry part and wipe it. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, on the other hand, Luca, there's the exact opposite. His oh. hands sweat bad, and he's totally used to it, and he doesn't care. Wow. Now, another guy like me is Dean Parks. He has to wash his hands before uh, the record dates and on uh-huh. every break. You know, everybody's got their groove, man. This is so fascinating. All this behind-the-scenes stuff. You don't even think... We don't even think about that kind of stuff, but yet these are the things you have to think about if you're that guy. If you ask every guitarist, they're all going to have a story about this. Either they don't care or they do, and what do they do about it? (laughs) Wild. I know guys, Sylvester Rivers, great piano player, uh, great arranger. He would always bring a towel with him, and wipe down the piano, really wipe it down to get any sweat that was on it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, so, yeah. I mean, everybody's got their rituals, to, or they don't. Yeah. You know, some guys just don't care at all. Now, other guys, here's one. There's tons of guitar players I know that have to have their strings changed every set. Larry Carlton. Mm-hmm. Every set, he would have his strings changed. Really? Wow. Either he did it or his tech. Okay. Uh-huh. Now Ray Parker and I are totally opposite. I don't like the sound of really bright strings, so I change strings only when I have to, only when they start playing out of tune, mm-hmm. from getting dented from hitting frets for more than a couple of weeks. Right. Right. So, well, that brings yes. up another story. <laughs> oh, do it. Okay. You're going to probably want to move this one up even higher in this uh, (laughs) podcast. Okay. (laughs) Ray and I were doing tracks for Boz Skaggs for a week. 
The band was Jeff on drums, Hungate on bass, Omardian was producing it and playing piano, Victor Feldman on percussion, and Ray and I on guitars, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. One night, you know, we'd go out to dinner typically on the break at about 10 o'clock, or we would have food brought in. One night, we had fried chicken brought in. Now, this following story is not a put-down to Ray. It's a put-down to me because of my germaphobe cleanliness bit right, right. with the dry hands, right? Uh-huh. So I've got the plastic silverware. Ray and I are sitting in our chairs where our guitars are. You know, we're in the studio with a little go bow between us, but we can uh-huh. see each other clearly. Uh-huh. And I'm watching Ray eat the chicken. And he's using his fingers. And he's just <laughs> chomping away on the chicken. And, you know, I'm using this plastic forks trying to get it, you know, trying to manipulate to get no grease on my hands at all, right? right. Okay, so Ray's hands are loaded with grease, right? Uh-huh. He picks up, he licks his fingers and picks up his guitar. And then I lean over to Ray and I said, Ray, how often do you change your strings? He looks at me and says, when they break. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got chicken grease all over the neck of the guitar, and he doesn't care at all. He doesn't care that it's deadening the strings more. It's just, oh, you know, the, the put-down is not on him. I wish right. I was like that. Right, right. The put-down is on me, you know. Yeah, I'm just but, imagining any solos of Ray's that I'm aware of in my over the, all the music he's played where his hands were covered in chicken grease. I, and and now I'm thinking about everyone else, too. You know? What did Jay Graydon eat that day? What did Lukather have on his hands when he... Oh, man. This just it Lukather, I never saw him wash his hands before he played, ever. You know? Ever. Wow. So, I mean, everybody's got their groove, man. It's yeah, just what yeah. it is, you know? Yeah, yeah. But that, that Ray story, the, the punchline to that story is what's so beautiful. It's like... Hey, you know, Ray, how often do you change your strings? When they break. When they break. That's and it. he's got, you know, he he's keeping a deadpan face. Cause he, uh-huh. And I, I'm just like, my jaw's on the floor going, wow, what? <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, genius. That is genius. I got to remind him of that one. Ray and I talk a lot. He's, yeah. he's like, oh, man, the best rhythm guitar player that ever lived, man. That's what they say. Yeah, there's no doubt say. about it. There's, yeah. it's it's unbelievable how his how good his feel and time is, and he could tune up he, before the era of the strobe tuner. Although I always had a strobe tuner since I was in high school, mm-hmm. when I discovered they had an old con in the back, I realized that I could tune the octaves on the guitar without having to do it by ear with a piano. And also, when I'm on a record date, when the air conditioning comes on, man, mm-hmm. that usually makes the strings go uh, sharp. And when the heat comes on, they go flat. Wow. Either that or the other way around. I can't remember for sure. But, sure. you know, I was always tuning with the strobe. And guys were making fun of me for a couple of years until they realized, you know, I'm always in tune because I'm tuning after every pass. Right. And the piano could be, on a movie day, the piano could be 300 feet away. I can, you can't stop the orchestra and say, play an A for me, yeah. you know? Yeah, right. So the the, the right. tuner thing became a big deal, man, and eventually it caught on, you know? Amazing. 
Yeah. Right. What would what would guys do now? That's yeah, why a lot knows. of that's why a lot of those old records, man. The the guitar pitch isn't so good. You know. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. Yeah. That's that's why. Yeah. And also from not tuning the bridge too. When you change right. a set of strings. Okay, here's a tip for guitar players. Okay. All right. Everybody has been told when you tune, you put on new strings, you stretch them, you get them stable, and then you need to tune the bridge. In other words, the nut to the bridge, the distance needs to be exactly the same from the 12th fret in either direction. So, with the bridge adjustment, everybody would tune the open string, get it in tune, and then tune the bridge adjustment to make up for it, and then you go back and forth, back and forth, tuning, adjusting the bridge, tuning, adjusting the bridge, and then finally it all works out. Okay? Mm-hmm. But the problem is that's not the open string is not the way to do it. Dean Parks told me this, and it's brilliant. You play the third fret. You tune the string. Now you're on the neck where pressure is being put on a string. The first fret's too close to do this because you want a rounded out area. So the Uh third fret seems to be the way to go. So you get the string in tune, then you play the third fret, tune it again. Now you play the octave and tune it. Now you play the third fret, tune it again. Now you play the octave and tune the bridge. And you go back and forth, back and forth, until it all works out. And i got to tell you, man, it makes a difference. It made a huge difference. Wow. Wow. I'm just a mad... I mean, like I said, uh, me not being a musician, but anyone who's listening, I, this is this is why this YouTube channel needs to happen, because all of this valuable information that you can pass along to other musicians, these tricks of the trade that they don't already know, I mean, that's fascinating stuff. It's so Here's valuable. Okay. Okay. When you, When we play rhythm guitar... Let's say that I know I'm going to, after the rundown of the tune, I know what area I'm going to be playing in. Let's say, and there's three basic shapes of chords. This I'd have to show visually. But if you're playing the um, seventh fret, or let's say you bar the fifth fret A chord, the stock common bar major, you know, A major. Uh Uh Okay, well, we never usually play the bottom two strings. We play the top four strings when playing rhythm on records, or the top three. So you've got, so on that little A chord there, I'm just playing the D, the G, the E, I mean the D string with the A on it, the G string with the C sharp, the B string with the E, and the high A on the E. Mm. And... Then there's an F chord that's in a similar position like that, where you just change the fingering. And then there's also the D chord that's a a three or four note chord that's on the seventh fret. Those are the three main chord areas of the major chord. They're never going to all, they're not always going to be in tune. As a matter of fact, because of the way your finger pressure on the neck pulls on the strings, it's going to affect the pitch. Mm-hmm. It just can't be helped. Yeah. So what I do is baby tune it. I'll tune for the area. If I know I'm mostly playing the A chord position, then I'll tune that. And let's say the other one I'm going to play a lot is the F chord position. I tune for that area. I get both of those. I have to give in a little bit on each chord 
tuning-wise to get them both to sound real close to being perfectly in tune. It's a game. It's a little mm. game. Amazing. And it's your touch and the way you land on strings with the finger pressure, and you have to learn how to adjust the finger pressure in each direction because if you push into a string, it goes flat. Yeah. If you pull back on a string, it goes sharp. So you have to learn all this, and then you, you baby tune for the area. And without doing this visually, it's very hard to understand what I'm saying. But then came the Evertune Bridge. And the Evertune Bridge uses a spring setup where I set the guitar just for rhythm guitar. No matter how much I bend any string, the pitch doesn't move. Hmm. Nothing. It's hmm. perfectly in tune. So... I use this guitar for rhythm guitar all the time. That's all I use for rhythm anymore because I'm perfectly in tune at all times. Finger pressure doesn't matter which direction I'm going in. It doesn't matter if I push right. really hard. It, it makes no difference. These spring adjustments make up for the difference. In the, the, and I, when I check every note on the tuner, it's all of them are always in tune wow. after tuning the guitar, of course. Right, right. So the Evertune Bridge for rhythm guitar is a must. Now, the Evertune Bridge can also be set where you can bend strings too. But I don't, I don't set it up that way ever because I'm only using it for rhythm guitar. Because if you do set it up that way, you're going to have to leave a little slack before the string will change pitch when you're bending. And I just I don't want to have to work that hard. Right. I, I just use it for rhythm, and I've set right. it so I don't no matter how much pressure I'm pushing in any direction, it's not going to change the pitch. Yeah, yeah. So, Everton Bridge, everyone. That's okay. Great. Have it on one guitar that you like for rhythm, and you're going to love it. Amazing. There you and go. And chord melody. For chord melody, even more important, because there's so many hard stretches when you're playing in that style. Ted yeah. Green style, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. All right. Tons of information. Boy, we were going to keep this short and we uh, there's just so much good Jay Graydon information to be had. I can't, I, you can't shut me up, John. No, I know. I'm noticing. But it's gold. All of it's gold. So, hey, man. Anyway. I'm always, always glad to help. I'm always glad to pass along information to the cats out there that are open to trying and experimenting and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And when I get into the recording thing, man, it's going to get deep. I believe Not it. Not deep where they won't understand. It's just going to wake them up to think. Yeah. A lot of people just don't think about a lot of the stuff that I just ran into by accident. Right, right. Or ran into for uh, figuring out a workaround for something, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. I should say that there's a bunch of audio demos on the eSample site, and there's going to continually be more as I get the, the heavyweight guys to play some stuff, not that there aren't already that have played mm -hmm. some stuff, like Terry Trotter, it's great stuff wow. that he played. Okay. And there's stuff on my site. You know, my tutorials are not on the Orange Tree site, I don't think. Hmm. Okay. Orange Tree sample site. You have to go to my site for my tutorials. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. All right, Jay. All right. Always good uh, to talk to you, man. Always Thank good you. to talk to you, John. 
All right, there you go, guys. Jay Graydon. All the links are in the show description. If you want to go to his website or the Orange Tree website, check it all out. It's all right there. <laughs> Again, we were going to make this a really short conversation, but we just get we just get going. And Jay, I mean, that guy is one of a kind. Who else do you know out there that's like Jay Graydon? Nobody. Those stories. Oh, my God. Gosh, I love it. Anyway, it's 3.30 in the morning, and I'm tired, and we just talked for over an hour, and uh, I want you guys to hear it. So anyway, I'm going to go to bed. But this is a little bit more morning. This I love this song. As you guys know, we kicked off his episode on Tuesday with it. We're going to end this one with it. Uh, and check out all this stuff if you are musically inclined and you want to. Get into his website, get into Orange Tree, and check it out, okay? Uh, we should be back tomorrow with a special deep dive. All right? So anyway, thanks, folks. We love you. Smiling